Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, Duck Gun family? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, it's me and Elliot, and we go over our past duck dogs, our current duck dogs, and any plans we got for duck dogs in the future. Pretty much, this episode is all about duck dogs, so let's jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube, and I got my host, Elliot Greybeard, from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube. And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to be here and talk about this this topic. This will be an interesting discussion. We talked a lot of duck dogs a few weeks ago, um, and and man, I love that conversation. Anytime we can talk about this, because I'm I'm going to be getting a puppy here too, so I really need to step up my my game on this one. Nice. Yeah, uh, duck dog dogs are uh, <laughs> a finicky thing, just like trout uh, training them. Um, but yeah, I love my duck dog right over here, Chief. Sleeping, Chief lazy seems dog. To be pretty, pretty chill. Pretty <laughs> He's chill pretty dog. chill. Yeah. He's pretty chill until you don't want him to be. and uh, Or until you need him to be, I should say. <laughs> yeah, well, one, one misconception I think there's about duck dogs, and I, and I did a video. Um, over my channel freelance duck hunting uh, right before the season kind of what my thoughts were about training a duck dog just for your average ordinary guy that hasn't done it and I think that it seems overwhelming um, to train a dog but if you just focus on uh, the things that you know that you want your dog to do and if you're if you're not a trainer and you're gonna do it yourself make sure it's simple uh, I identify those things and read up on it it's really not that not that hard to get your dog to do basic things yeah and i would say like one thing like i'm kind of fresh off of the mistakes because uh (laughs) this is my first my first dog i've ever trained for duck hunting and I, i would say that one of the mistakes that i made early on is trying to do too much too early or expecting too much too early and, uh, you know, he'd be like six months old and I'm like, you know, why isn't he like running out there sitting on whistle, responding to hand signals and like, I mean, that's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless you're a professional trainer till at least a couple years. Yeah. And that's so, like if you're putting a lot of time in. And there's, there's different levels. Some people buy finished dogs. Some people buy a dog, train them a little bit, send them to a trainer and then bring them home. And then some people do all of the training themselves. So which one of those three uh, were you with? Because Chief, you said your first dog, right? Yeah. I mean, he's... So which, go, go through the, the history of Chief a little bit. All right. So got Chief, let's see, about two and a half years ago, February. He's not um, you know, a registered dog. I got him from a farm. You know, they had a litter of pups, and I went out there. So, so they were the parents weren't hunting dogs. Were not hunting dogs. Um, I, I not that I know of. There was no paperwork involved. No, there there was paperwork for the mom actually, but I never even looked at it. <laughs> but it did probably didn't have hunting background. Probably like hip dysplasia, 
type of stuff and and like pure labrador but not hunting dog paperwork yeah not sure and then uh so what happened is it's on a farm and this this uh it was a yellow lab female lab and she was registered and the male dog was a neighbor lab and he came over and breeded with hers and then that that family moved away so i had no way of getting in contact with them or checking out to see if it had papers or not and uh and then the mother i didn't even they said she had papers registered uh whatever the kennel is you know um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so i have no idea if they had hunting um or not so he's kind of like you get what you you know just so these were not even breeders they were these were not even breeders no 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 it was not even an accidental litter Yep. <laughs> and, and so when when you go that route, and I've gone that route before. My my first dog was that. I found my first dog in five bucks. It was just, and it was half lab, half golden retriever. And that's the the way that you did with your first dog, and the way that I did with my first dog is certainly not the ideal way to do it. Um, because the more basically the more money you pay the better chance that you have at getting a high-end uh fantastic dog and the less money you pay the more chances you have of getting a dog that just won't do it at all i mean you you could you could feasibly you can get a dog that just won't even have a desire to retrieve not every labrador wants to retrieve so with your first dog and with my first dog both of us were playing with with real fire um with getting a dog that just won't do won't do it at all so that's certainly yep. not not the way to, to go about doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's the the budget way, and it does have some risk. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. I, I look at money as as that risk, and it's like, do you want your your best chance of getting Michael Jordan of the Duck World is paying three thousand dollars for a dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, if I had all the best- money, if if I had all the money to spend, I'd go and get a dog right. from. Uh, from you know Barton Ramsey, <laughs> Southern Oak Kindles, like you said, the some of the best dogs out there. But you know they're they're expensive, and you're getting what you're paying for. It's basically just like breeding two Olympic champions. You're a lot better chance of having an Olympic champion. <laughs> I mean that's it's it's really as simple as that. You know, I mean when an NBA player uh, has offspring with another with a NWA player, you know they're they're going to be much more likely to to be good basketball players. So yeah. That's kind of the way I think about it. So it looks sounds like you got really lucky with Chief. So go go on with your story of the life of Chief. All right. So yeah, got him on his puppy. Um, you know, straight off the bat, we worked on general obedience. You know, he did pretty good with that. I got videos of him uh like three months, like four months, uh, and I'd shoot my bow like for practice. I'd shoot my bow and I'd throw a dummy because I'm in a I live in a, a neighborhood, so I can't like be shooting. I don't live in a neighborhood, but I live around a lot of houses, so I can't be like shooting a shotgun or shooting like a starter pistol. I did that one time, and one of my neighbors was freaking out, so can't do that. So I'm shooting my bow in the backyard, and then I'd throw his his little dummy out there, and he'd run out there, pick it up, and come to hill and bring it back. <laughs> So he we've been working on it since he was, you know, a little tiny puppy. And um yeah, then the first time I took him hunting was when he was 6 months old, which I would not suggest. Um I'd suggest waiting longer like much longer, probably like at least uh-huh. after a year. And if you're going to do that, just make sure like um 
make sure that you can reward the dog like right away, you know, with retrieves and that kind of stuff. Uh, because a lot of his first hunts, you know, weren't successful and that's not a good way to start out a duck dog. Oh, this is a lot of fun. I just sit here for like hours in the cold and <laughs> don't get to retrieve mm. anything. So yeah. Um, got his first r- retrieves on camera. Um, I posted that in our Facebook group earlier this year, but, uh, you know, he was freaking out, like whining and crying like crazy. And the goose is floating down the river a little bit. And, and I couldn't get him to jump out of the blind into the water. And uh, he's just sitting there and he's like, he's literally slapping the water with his paw, just slapping it and howling and crying because he wants to get the goose so bad. And oh. eventually jumps in in there and, and goes out there and grabs the goose. And uh, I think he actually grabbed all three right there. So, yeah. Um, but still, still got plenty of things to work on with Chief. Um, you know, we're training so all the time. So when you were getting ready to train Chief, were you just watching YouTube videos? Well, how, yeah. how did you go about preparing for that? And how much training did you do? And that kind of stuff. Okay. So I did, I, I didn't do a ton of training. Like I got him to where he'd retrieve, like he'd, he'd go out there when he saw the duck and come back. And that was pretty much his training for like year one, even up to year two. I just practiced that a lot, you know, just retrieving and coming back and kind of like, I tried to do the hand signals, but like I didn't have a lot of like I didn't buy any books. All I did was research some videos on YouTube, and like he'd like know kind of generally. Like if I point to the left, go to the left, you know, generally go to the right. Um, and sometimes he just he honestly didn't pay attention that well because I didn't like teach him to like whistle sit when he was out there. So like if he's not looking looking towards me and I do the hand signals, it's no help. So generally he's he he hadn't done that up to to this year. So. Um, you know, up this year I have been trying to incorporate that into, into the training and I'm kind of just getting started on it. So is he steady? Is is chief steady? He is. And steady for those of you that don't know, steady just means your dog does not go for a retrieve until you command him or her to do so. He, I would say he's 80% steady. He's not perfect. Um, we did have some issues like earlier, one of the hunts this year, I went with another guy and his uh, dog is 100% not steady ever. Like to the yeah. point where, uh, like, I mean, I don't want to bad mouth him or anything, but, uh, to the point where we had a group come in and we didn't even call the shot and the dog jumps into the water <laughs> and we're letting yeah. the ducks go around for another circle. I mean, this dog had high drive, but like, um, and I, I know the guy had tried steadying his dog, but it hadn't worked. So, um, so chief was with him then and, um, chief's like, why, why does that dog get to go? I don't get to go. And so that kind of, you know, he was a little bit better off before that. And then, you know, that took some correcting. (laughs) So that's another suggestion. If you're going to hunt with somebody, make sure, you know, like not everybody cares about having a steady dog. I think it's a good idea, um, for sure. But if you are going to have a steady dog and someone else doesn't, I would suggest one of you doesn't bring your dog. Yeah, or like my, my dad would get to the point where if we meet guys out in the field and they have a dog, he will ask, you know, is your dog steady? And if, if not, then he'll say, do you have a leash? If one dog is steady and one isn't, then one that's not steady needs to be on a leash, which that that's kind of what we have right now with my dad's dog, Candy. And is it Candy's not steady and she's got high drive and he's just not been able to steady her. And so she stays on a leash. Um, and then when it's her turn to retrieve, he lets her off the leash. Because you just can't, it, it's just almost impossible. Well, it's impossible to hunt a dog that's steady beside a dog that's not steady. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, 
So have you been working with Chief offseason? Do you have any goals or for him for next year? Yeah. So like like uh for whatever reason, like his drive for birds is way higher than like for dummies and retrieving like in the backyard. And so like um like I don't have any trouble with him like during the field. Like you can we can watch that video and he's like literally crying because he didn't know how to jump into the water to get to the bird on his first retrieve. Mm-hmm. Like he has high drive when it comes to the birds, but sometimes with the dummies, I don't get a lot out of them. Like we get like five, seven minutes and he's like, you know what? Like he'll run out to the dummy, like pick it up. And like, he hears like, you know, neighbor kid down, down like four houses. And he's like looking over there. I'm like, chief, come back. He's like, but there's people, you know, like, yeah. and, and so, um, I've been, I've been struggling honestly with the training, like going with the meticulous kind of hand signals and back, like he understands them. But I feel like is he he doesn't get as much excitement out of that as he does like if you know you're you're throwing the dummy and he's standing right beside you he gets to see it go out there but like when you start to do the blinds and the, the where the dummy's already placed out there to the left or the right and using mm-hmm. hand signals it, and if you don't have the drive it's hard to make him like he doesn't feel like the reward from going like following your direction and, and completing the task the same way he does like when he he can you know follow the dummy in a more exciting way. So that's kind of where I'm at. I have goals to get him to where he can whistle sit and hand signals and then recall a little bit more crisply. Cause sometimes he'll grab even like a duck and he, he doesn't kind of come back right away. Um, so those are things, yeah, that I need to improve on with him. So I guess those would be my goals. Have a a cleaner recall and hand signals. I wonder how he would do on a frozen duck. I know that's something I used with Izzy as a puppy a lot. Frozen teal specifically. I wonder how he would do with those, but that would, up his desire a little bit or not yeah well i had frozen frozen ducks and actually um i had issues with that because uh i don't know if it was uh, the the ones i had i had breasted out already breasted out Ah. and he was getting into into like the cavity where um i'd already took out the meat so um that that didn't work for that and then i had to kind of clean my freezer out of all those wild birds I had frozen in there because we're stocking up a bunch of breast milk for the newborn. <laughs> well, when I, when I did teal for Izzy and I haven't done it for a long time, I, I mean, I just use whole ones. I, I wouldn't breast them. Mm-hmm. I would just freeze them as is. Um, so yeah. as you can probably tell from a Jordan, neither Jordan or myself are consider ourselves experts as far as duck dogs go. No, but we certainly um, both have, hunting dogs and we're both seeking to become better at training and what we're doing so uh, to me and and you can add your thoughts on this with this conversation is just two regular duck hunting guys who own dogs who are not professional trainers kind of sorting through it um and figuring out as they go along and just kind of sharing sharing our personal experiences and and about it What, what do you think yeah i totally agree um yeah, definitely amateur at this. I mean, I would love to be an expert at it, but I think just like anything, it takes years. And, uh, and you know, yeah. some of the stuff is just so finicky. Um, I mean, because you're dealing with another living animal and they have their <laughs> own thoughts and like, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to get it perfect. And every, every dog has a different personality. So I've been a part of, now. um, when we first started duck hunting back in the late 90s, or no, early 90s, 
uh, my dad bought a really high bred uh, black lab. It was she was actually a pointing lab because we were still doing pheasant quail hunting, and they've bred they've bred some labs to actually do some pointing. And so the idea was we'd try to get a pointing lab and um, have it professionally trained, and then we could both upland game hunt and um, duck hunt. Which she she was a great upland game hunter. She didn't point much, but she was a fantastic waterfowl dog. But we my dad did send her to a trainer for several months. She was absolutely phenomenal. Um, then the second dog my dad got was uh, um, from the same, I think from the same breeder, about a 1200 These dogs were about 1200 to $1,500 just strictly for um, waterfowl hunting. And um, I so what's don't the, think... What's the timeline on these? Just kind of get more uh, perspective on it. Um, the first dog would have been purchased around 19 1991 and so from about 1991 to about 97 we ended up getting cancer and dying somewhat early uh, around that time frame um and at during that same time i bought my first dog which was half lab half gold from the paper i bought that dog at about 96 97 um and then so that that's the timeline on these particular dogs um so the second dog would have been bought right around 2000. And then I bought Izzy in 2006 or seven. And so then my dad got another dog around 2000. So from about 90 to current, the, all these five dogs span. Um, but I've, I've really only attempted to train one dog. I've had two. The first one, I wouldn't say that I really trained. My first dog just, the only thing that dog could think about was retrieving, but she wasn't steady. She was a total mess in the blind. I mean, really, really difficult dog to hunt with. So then when I got Izzy, um, like I said, around 2007, I, I got the, the book Water Dog. And I read that. And I mean, that is a fantastic book. You can follow it step by step, word for word. And my, my whole goals for Izzy, I never had... My dad actually ran his second dog in field trials and had it certified. And this dog was just phenomenal. So would take to the whistle and blinds and hand signals. And this was just an absolutely fantastic dog. My, my goals was Izzy was I wanted her to be steady. I wanted her to be easy to hunt with. Um, I wanted her to bring everything all the way back. And that's really, and then possibly some hand signals if I could get that in. But if a dog will be steady and sit there and just bring everything all the way back to you without you having to get up, that's good enough for me. For me, that's yeah. good enough. So Izzy yeah. is pretty much, pretty much accomplished that she, you know, she's kind of the opposite of chief where she shows as much desire with a retrieval dummy as she does with a live bird. In fact, I have a theory that she doesn't actually like having birds in her mouth. She just is so genetically programmed to do it she can't help herself mm -hmm. uh she has absolutely no killer instinct at all i mean none we brought baby chickens home one time and she was scared of them <laughs> I mean, she just has there is zero like wolf killer instinct in her but she's got this desire to please me and this desire to retrieve um but you can tell when she's sometimes when she has a duck she's like uh. so she had she had some real issues in her first year when i was trying to train her she was really, really finicky. Like if I was using a white retrieval dummy and I would switch to an orange retrieval dummy, she wouldn't even pick it up. She'd be like, no, that's, that's not it. I'm not supposed to do that. Mm. 
and she would pick up a frozen teal. But if I threw out a separate, a different frozen teal, she wouldn't pick. I mean, just some really weird, weird stuff. And um, she would bring back the hand, but she kept dropping it. So after reading Water Dog, I decided I had to take her through Force Fetch, um, which those of you that don't know what that is, it's it's this technique of applying pressure to their ear um, and teaching them to pick up whatever you ask them to pick up whenever you ask them to pick up and to hold it until you take it from them because she had really, really bad um, mouth problems. Um, so I took her through force fetch and that really, really helped. So before I took her through, if there was like a ball on the ground or a bird and I said, fetch it, she'd just stare at it. But through the force fetch process, um, she was able now to, after that, just to pick everything up and hold it and bring it to me. So she's done a pretty good job with that. She, she still has problems. And this, for some reason, the colder it is, the worse this problem is. That when, and this is common of, of dogs, a lot of dogs in general, is when they swim out and get a bird and they're bringing it back and they reach the shoreline, they'll spit the bird out at the shoreline and come on back. And then if, if it's wounded, that's a problem because then it might get away. Or you just, if you're sitting there and you're layout blind or whatever, then you have to get up and go and get it. So she still does have that problem. Um, but she's pretty much met all her goals. She's, she's a, I'd say about 90% steady. When, when Candy's not around, she's about 100% steady. Um, well, I'd say 99% steady. When Candy's around, I'd say she's about 80 to 85% steady. Hmm. Candy being my dad's dog. So, and she does, and, and I have taught her to do some hand signals. Um, it, it's very, very similar to Chief. So she thinks that she knows where it is. I don't have any kind of, I've never taught her to, to do anything on a whistle or to stop and look at me. If she has knows that she doesn't know where it is, then she will look at me and uh, she will take a hand signal. But if she thinks that she knows where it is, she won't, won't take any kind of hand signal. So these are, you know, as far as, as trainer um, knowledge goes, these are very, very basic things. So my next dog, um, which like I said, Izzy is getting older now. She's turning 11 here at the end of August and her limp and she's got like arthritis or something in her right shoulder. But her limp is getting worse and worse and worse. So um, certainly this might possibly be her last year. So my next dog, I'm just, I, I'm going to work on the same things. I, I still don't need a dog to do circus tricks out there. But I want it just to overall be more obedient, um, be steady more often, you know, maybe take hand signals a little. So just kind of the next step up, you know, is is my goal but i i don't ever send i never sent izzy to a formal trainer i i honestly don't think that's something that really needs to do in fact i see jack's comment he says spend 10 minutes a day with the pup and that and that's really all you need is about 10 minutes a day about 10 minutes a day yeah i'd say the only thing is some people you know if you have a finicky dog you might consider sending it off to get finished or some people do it for the force fetch um, just because I've heard stories where it's gone wrong, um, you know, applying too much pressure and then the dog doesn't trust you anymore or issues yeah. like that. Um, yeah. so at least, you know, make sure you're, you're reading your information and have a good grasp on it and have a cool head while you're doing the force fetch. Cause yeah, you don't want your dog not to trust you. Yeah. And Barton Ramsey made a couple really great comments about, um, reading your dog's body language and knowing your dog because every single dog is different. Izzy is very sensitive, very shy. So through our force fetch training, um, all I had to do was apply a little bit of pressure. And I, I did that with a shotgun shell. And I mean, not very much at all. She wasn't screwing her, it's just a little bit of pressure. 
if I would have just really put the screws down on her hard, you can ruin a dog that way. So, I mean, dogs are, some dogs are real strong-willed. Some dogs are, are shy and sheepish and you really have to be careful um, with the aggressiveness and, and how you interact with your dog for sure. Absolutely. But I, I, I don't want to send it to a trainer because number one, it's is expensive. And number two, I feel like it's part of the bonding. I mean, this, my dog is so bonded to me. Uh, and I was telling my wife, we're on vacation and, and we're staying in this, this kind of this house that, that had been rented out. And I left it to go do some stuff outside and I came back and there's Izzy just laying inside the door, just waiting for me, you know? And it's like, there's something really, really gratifying about, I don't know whether it's vain or I don't know what the right word for it is, whether um, it just like, I need that self-esteem boost or what, but having your dog love you and follow you everywhere and be that bonded to you is pretty cool, I think. And I think going through the training process strengthens that greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the bond goes both ways with hunters and their dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you're going to train a dog, certainly you need to be, I would, I would suggest reading material and not just watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with YouTube videos is that they're in isolation. Um, and if you follow like, I know that Barton Ramsey, he's got, um, he, they, they have a sequential series, but with YouTube videos, you're watching them in isolation versus like the timing of things. Like in water dog, it'll take you through every single step. It's like, all right, this dog's this old. Here's step one. Here's step two. And it's like a it's like a plan that you can follow versus, you know, and I haven't spent that much time looking at YouTube videos, but my assumption is you're like, like, how do I train my dog to be steady? And you read on how to train your dog to be steady versus like a encompassing plan from the time you bring a dog home until that first hunt and beyond. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you. And like, I, I have uh, some faults with that where I would just kind of go through the videos. I'm like, well, let's learn this now. And like, we got this down pat. So let's try, you know, and you YouTube search, whatever you want to do. And, uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily follow plan. And like, I think chief did pretty good. You know, he's nowhere near perfect, but, um, I think if you want to get your dog to that next level, you definitely have to follow a consistent plan, whether it be, you know, water dog, um, or, you know, gun dog, any of those kind of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kind of new thing, you know, shout out to Barton Ramsey, like you're saying, and corner cornerstone gun dog. Um, you know, I think they got a really great thing going there with, with their videos. I went through the, you know, the preview module. Um, but then again, you know, that, that costs some money too. So if you got the mm-hmm. money, that's, a um, and a really good option for people. Well, I can tell you if I had the money, that's where my next dog would come from would be Barton after talking yeah. to him and just getting to know just from that one podcast kind of his temperament and his mentality um that's where i would get a dog but those are like what twenty five hundred dollar dogs but if you yeah. have the money do it I, at this point i don't izzy izzy was only three hundred dollars when i bought her and she did come with a lot of paperwork in fact i've got a sheet still that shows all of her um ancestors and it's uh, it probably has 50 different dogs she's related to on there and it turned out we looked far enough she was related to my dad's very first dog, like way down the chain. But um, I, it's important to me to get a dog that I know, number one, doesn't have health issues. That's number one, because labs can have hip dysplasia really bad. And number two, that it's parents, it has a line of dogs that have been able to be trained to do the job. Because the worst yeah. case scenario, you pour all this money into a dog and then it, it won't even hunt, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and that can happen. I, I know, I know of a golden retriever that, that wouldn't hunt, um, one time. Yep. So it can, it can happen. Yeah. And I think it's just as much the trainer it is as it is a dog. Well, not necessarily in that one with the, with the genetics, but if the dog has sure. the genetics, you still have to have a, somebody taking the time to be a good trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And just the more problems the dog has, the, the better of a trainer that you've got to be. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure Barton could take almost any lab and get it to te- get it to Oh yeah. The hunt. You and I could not, you know. So, yeah. I bet uh, he would have done a way better job with Chief. Which I've sure. learned, with, I've yeah. learned a ton though, but the problem is I learned through mistakes unfortunately. Um mm-hmm. so but I mean that's knowledge that I'm sure almost everybody on their first dog there's a lot of things they learn to do different the next time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's exciting. Yeah. Like I love doing it. I love training Chief. I just like uh you know, I wish I hadn't made so many mistakes. It's just uh, because, you know, I almost I almost want perfection. But when you're making those mistakes, you're going to, you know, have little things where they're not going to be perfect. Well, and they say a dog's prime isn't until you're age six. Oh, wow. I understand. So I know, like, with my dad's first dog, and ability-wise, probably his best. This dog was athletic, had a nose. I mean, this dog was incredible. And even though we, my dad sent uh, this dog to a trainer for a month, Hunt number one, this dog was a nightmare. wasn't steady, <laughs> and I, I remember after the first hunt, this was our our actually our first duck hunt. My dad's and mine as well, and um, the dog was terrible. We were terrible, and we left just feeling like, oh my gosh, what do we do? This dog is terrible, and this dog is going to be a total failure. And that's just not the case. Your a lot of times, that dog's first year, they're going to be making mistakes and doing things that you'll never see them do when they're five, when they're six. So it, don't be too discouraged if your dog um, isn't functioning the way that you had planned those first few hunts. I mean, they're just a, they're just still a baby rookie. So just figure out what they're doing. And I know this is I keep talking about Barton, but I got so much out of our talk with him um, that and this one thing I've done really poorly at is let your friends know that you're going to work on some things in the field. So if your dog's making some mistakes in the field, say, hey, just give me five minutes. I'm going to go and I've got this dead duck and I'm going to work on. Um, you know, maybe my dog didn't bring the, the duck all the way back to me. So let, let me just work on that for five minutes. And, and yeah. that's certainly something I'm going to do a lot better at. Yeah. You gotta dog. be, you gotta be willing to be training that year and not necessarily hunting. You know, if you shoot a, shoot a duck and you need them to finish it, you know, finish the job complete and another flock comes in, you gotta be able to pass up on that because you need to work on that you know whatever you're working on and so either you gotta have people that are willing to do that or go by yourself you know go on solo hunts yeah would you now you hunted your first year without a dog just in your second year of duck hunting with a dog right no no i I hunted with him my first year as well but it just wasn't like most of the year well it was like kind of 50 50 i didn't take them all the time Mm -hmm. but if i were to do it again i wouldn't wouldn't have taken them probably at all um, cause he didn't turn one till, well, yeah, it's kind of hard to say he didn't turn one till the last day of the season, you know? Okay. And so, um, and yeah, on that, that early, yeah. And, uh, on the last day of the season, you know, he retrieved a triple, he retrieved all six geese we shot out in the river. So he did great, but, um, you know, there's a lot of mistakes I made <laughs> by having him out there during that, that, that time. Yeah. The, my my yeah. question was, I guess my question I was trying that I was leading into because I thought that you hunted a lot um, without him was just the the difference between 
hunting with the dog and hunting with the, I can't imagine not having that. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I duck hunt. Like that sounds terrible. I don't think I'd like, it, it's so hard to go back to not having a dog. Cause it's such a part of it for me that, uh, it's just not, it's like, uh, man, it's just a big, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Like it's huge. It's an, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different sport when yeah. you're, when you're working it out. Yeah. It's and just it's, such it's a not, part of it. It's not just sitting there and not having to get up. That that's really it's not just well I don't have to get up my dog does the work although that is huge <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> letting your dog do that work but it's that uh, it's that uh, the bond of having your dog there with you and working your dog and seeing your dog have success and seeing the love that your dog has of doing the same thing and can your dog can endure all these elements and it's just incredible it's incredible yeah just like the feeling you get when you see your dog like running back through like the icy water with a green head like in its mouth like uh it's just you know it's like one of the best feelings in duck hunting you know it is yeah <laughs> and those like those are sure. like perfect like a perfect picture like that's when i go on like uh social media or instagram and i see like the dog with a green head walking back and it's like all icy. Like there's no way I'm not like double tapping that picture. It's just yeah, one yeah. of my favorite things about duck hunting. So I don't hope you don't mind. One spline outdoors has a question. I think it'd be interesting to talk about. And he's asking about taking your pup out hunting with you. Um, would you, or would you not take your pup out with you um, until they're older and more steady and prepared for the hunt? What, what is your thoughts on that? And when do you take a dog? Do you, do you need to have your dog fully ready before you take them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you do. Uh, everybody wants to rush it. Everybody wants to get out there with their dog right away. You do wait? You do wait? Yeah, I would wait, yeah. Okay, wait. I'm saying everybody wants to, and, like, I understand that completely. But, um, like, one thing that you have to be sure of, like, is your dog um, gun-shy? Is there a... a a way for them to become gun shy. Like chief was not gun shy. I'd worked on it. Like, you know, probably not as much as I should have, but you know, I shot guns around him and did retrieves and, uh, he was fine. But, uh, you know, there, there can be things that happen on a hunt where your dog can become gun shy or like, um, yeah, I, I would just wait. Cause you don't, you want to have everything kind of down pat because if anything's going wrong and you can't really punish your, your dog on that hunt because then he's going to associate, you want everything to be positive. You don't want him to associate anything negative with that hunt. Yeah. And you don't want to pick up bad habits. I, I would say you certainly like, so you don't want to be introducing your dog to things out hunting that big things like, um, can your dog swim? If your dog's never been able to swim, then you don't yeah. want to take your dog. Uh, has your dog heard a gunshot? Um, are you going to try to make your dog steady? I would certainly not take my dog out until they were steady in the, in the yard, um, had been exposed to gunshot, had been exposed to staying steady. I mean, you don't, your dog doesn't need to be perfect, but I, I don't know about you. I've hunted with someone who just had a pet lab. And, you know, when we went out hunting, here came his pet lab. Well, that dog was an absolute disaster out there. <laughs> and, and dogs like that, they, they don't, not only do they not add to the hunt, everyone that's there is annoyed by that dog yeah because the dog is barking running around running out um you know uh running out when birds just come in like you know before you even call the shot your dog's half those dogs are halfway out there and and it can be unsafe for the dog and it can really annoy the people around you so i certainly i wouldn't take a dog out that has no preparation 
at all um, and hasn't been prepared for those yeah. things for sure. I think it's not, it's not necessarily an age. Like uh, if your dog is prepared, then you could take them out at nine months. You know, I definitely wouldn't do like six months. Like I would say like nine, ten months if you've gone through all the steps and got your dog where it needs to be. And if you haven't spent as much time as somebody else, you know, it might not be till they're, you know, even a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to go ahead and, on. yeah, we got a lot of questions, I think, in here. Yeah, uh, someone asked uh, Chesa- Chesapeake Bay or Labrador from Mr. Greenhead. What's your opinion on that? I've always been told, I've always been under the impression that labs are easier to train. On average, your lab is easier to train than a Chesapeake. So uh, now, now Barton said that that's not as much so as people think, but that does still hold true. So if you're a very amateur trainer, get a lab over a Chesapeake. If you're a seasoned trainer, then it doesn't really matter. It, it all comes down to the same thing. It's like, if you don't have a lot of training skill, and you're going to train a dog you want to minimize that dog's glaring faults because you're not going to be able to deal with them and train those glaring faults out of that dog and a chesapeake is known to be a little bit more stubborn a little harder to train so if you're a novice i'd go with the lab yeah uh jack b i'm not gonna try to pronounce your last name but uh he suggests getting another dog when your trained up dog is six to seven years old that way you always have um a dog ready to go and uh i I like that idea um you know and i i enjoy training chief so much that uh i definitely plan to do something like that (laughs) yeah i I get so sensitive of my dog like i can't imagine leaving Izzy at home ever when she's six or seven because I get a new dog and like leaving her at home half the time and taking the other dog like I'm so bonded to this dog it's like no she she's the one she's the alpha female she's gonna go every single time until she literally can't do it that's that's my only <laughs> well, issue with you, that where if you got another one I think you would rotate it a little if you didn't have candy though as a second dog then your group could use a second dog True. like my my groups I go with there's only one other guy like and, and I'm talking about like up to like like eight people that have a dog. So if I had two dogs, that'd be fine most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I understand that, that sentiment, not wanting to leave one behind. Maybe you just leave the young one behind, <laughs> you know, you'll have your turn yeah. when he gets six or seven, he becomes the, the alpha dog, as you called it in your, your, uh, group of two. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. I, I should have probably gotten a dog this year because Izzy's, turning 11 she's got this limp problem she had a seizure i just man it having a pup is a is a huge responsibility it's like having a baby and yeah. i just emotionally didn't feel like i was ready for it so i'm kind of trying to gear up for it and my wife's not a huge pet person she's never had a puppy in the house so um and and i've never trained a dog around a bunch of little kids which there's four kids in my house now which is another thing that makes me nervous as well you know mm-hmm. yeah so definitely I uh I definitely chuckled when I saw your wife's post about um, when you when you're gone on your trip and uh, when she she got in like coffee grounds and ate a loaf of bread off the table and <laughs> what you want to yeah. tell that story? <laughs> yeah, well, apparently Izzy is very respectful around food when I'm around, especially my food. Really, get a full plate of food, put it on a stool where I'm sitting, and Izzy won't touch it. It's like it's mine, but if it's anyone else's. You know, she's like, she'll go after it. 
and she's she's normally really really well behaved now she does get in the trash a little bit of the time she gets in the trash she doesn't really go in the bathroom in the house very much at all but when i was gone on my nebraska pike fishing trip apparently after being gone a day or so he's just like is he's like well he's not here so you know i'm just gonna whatever i don't care and she was getting into the trash over and over again smearing crappie grounds all over the place peeing in nevin's room and and so um i was on my way home from the trip and Beth's planning this big meal when i'm getting back she's made like had this big garlic bread and this whole dinner prepared and and so um as Beth comes out to meet me in the driveway as i'm getting home from this trip apparently and i've never known izzy to do this Izzy gets up onto the counter, like all fours, stands up onto the counters <laughs> and steals this entire like homemade loaf of garlic bread. Oh, uh. <laughs> and when Beth found that out, like my whole homecoming was ruined. She went, I mean, ballistic. She made this huge <laughs> post on Facebook about how much she hates pets. And, and I mean, she's regretted the post since. Cause even after she, after she did, after she made the post, she's like, Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. Cause she was basically calling people out that have, cause she was just going off. Oh, uh, I thought and, it was, Oh my gosh. I thought it was hilarious. I didn't know how mad she actually was. I mean, I thought some of it was, she was in... mad. No, she was so pissed. In fact, I, it could have easily turned into a big fight between her and I, right? Because I mean, she was just an all out mad mode and, so I'm just like keeping my distance, staying away from her. I'm just thinking, okay, I just got home from a trip. <laughs> How can I make sure this doesn't turn into a fight between us? So I went out to her and I'm like, okay, I'm having problems figuring out how to interact with you right now. I don't want us getting in a fight. you know. <laughs> so I, I was master husband at us not getting into a fight over it because she was like, I hate that. She was so pissed. She wanted, is he dead? <laughs> but she's not a pet person. She's never had pets um her parents never grew up with pets so i mean she just she kind of views petting a dog kind of as unclean you know like if she ever does pet izzy she washes her hands she's just not a pet person at all so having any animals in her house is a huge stretch for her um in general but man she went off that she, that was <laughs> there was no humor in that at the time she was all on pissed well chief's chief's never done anything like that so far cross my fingers but my wife's actually the same way with pets like uh her her uh famous saying is she likes chief at a distance like she doesn't want him around she doesn't want to pet him <laughs> <laughs> yeah well her and beth will have a lot to talk about when you guys come stay with <laughs> yeah she has petted Izzy, i think three or four times in the five <laughs> seven years we've been there <laughs> less than once a year <laughs> my wife when she pets chief it's like one finger like on the top of the head <laughs> yeah yeah they, they will you know i was watching a show on netflix about the um wild of russia and they were following this trapper around in, in russia a lot and he was he had a dog he had several dogs that would go out and they would hunt this type of mink together and everything and and he was talking about training his dog and because my big thing is I can't keep Izzy out of the trash. Now she, I just cannot. I, I mean, I've tried smacking her in the path and beating on her and yelling at her and going alpha male on her. And she acts sorry and everything. But if, if I'm away, that's when she, she will definitely do is get into the trash. <laughs> uh, outdoorsman in Russia said, because he baits traps with meat in them, right? Mm -hmm. And he said that if you uh, punish a dog like that, where they're getting into the trash or in his case, into his traps for the meat he had in there, 
if, if you're harsh with them and punish them at the time, all you're doing is teaching them to not get in those things when you're around. But what you yeah. have to do, and he didn't go on to say how he did this, but what you have to do is actually set up a negative experience for the dog around getting into the trash or like, let's say, and I, maybe this would be harsh, but just as an example, if you were to put a set mouse trap um, in, in a trash can, yeah. and the first time your dog puts its nose in, it hits that mouse trap, it's completely displaced anything from you. It's just like, oh, trash, no, that hurt. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if there's some way of setting up something like that for the trash or something, because that's been a biggest pain I'm in my side over her lifetime as her getting into trash cans. You could use e-collars. But I thought that was you, really interesting. I think you could use an e-collar. I know people use that for like um, some stuff in the house, like getting on counters or anything like that. You just don't make them associate it with you. You just mm-hmm. sit across the room and when they go, you, I mean, you could bait up your trash can, put some <laughs> some of their favorite yeah. treats in there. And as soon as they yeah. go over to the tra- trash can, you just, yep, give them a little nick and they get that negative experience. Yeah, I definitely want to do something like that because I, I don't just want a good hunting dog. I want a good house dog. And and Izzy is a fantastic house dog other than the trash. And she barks at the door a little more than I'd like, but that's fairly normal. And she sheds really bad. But other than that, she's very good pet too. Uh, Kevin is asking, how do, you guys, how do you guys handle, or he asked previously, how do you guys handle not being home a lot, um, working every day, and you get a pup? Not sure how that would be uh, being gone a lot um, or having it in the evenings. For me, um, you know, I'm kind of the same situation, work all day. Um, so I just make sure I get up in time to let him out in the morning. Um, and, you know, he can run around and do his thing and then maybe even work on retrieves for five minutes. Just give yourself, you know, 15, 20 minutes extra. And then when I come home from work, usually the first thing I do is, again, let him run around in the yard and work on some retrieves. And uh, then again, you know, last thing, last light. And it gets harder, not in the summer, um, where you might cut one of those out. So I just, you know, you need to be able to at least put in a good a good amount of time every day to let your dog out in the backyard at least. Yeah, the exercise is absolutely crucial um, for if you're going to be leaving them in um, a crate. And I would say make sure that that crate is big enough that the dog can stand up and turn around. It has to be that big. If you're going to leave your dog in a crate for hours and hours, it has to be able to stand up all the way. And that means head. It has to be able to stand with its head up and fully turn around. I'm lucky I've down in my garage. We've got a big cage um, that she can walk around in down there, but you cannot stuff a lab um, into a tiny crate and leave them for hours. Then you get them out. It, 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 you get them out. You don't properly exercise them. And surprise, surprise, you have a mess of a dog, a mess of a pet. Um, and I'll say, if you if you ever watch, like, um, what's that show? The, the shows like Dog Whisper and stuff. Mm-hmm. When, when they go and train someone's dog who's, who's misbehaved, the first thing they do is exercise that dog to a point of exhaustion. And because that will take, that will take care of most of the poor behavior in the house is just getting that dog running and getting that exercise out that especially in its first year or two yeah uh speck speckle what is it uh speck trout fisher is asking um uh, how do you get a dog to go deeper in the water his dog will only go waist deep in the water and then go back to shore 
Um, I guess I would say just positive reinforcement. You know, put on put on some waders and go out there with your dog. That's how I train my dog. Um, and he did have a little bit of trouble at first. Um, you know, it's best to start them out when they're young, not too young, but you know, just getting them in the water, making it a positive experience. And, uh, you know, get on your waders and, and your dog's going to follow your lead. You're going out there. He's going to go out there and swim around and, you know, throw his dummy out there far enough that you can still reach it if he's going to fail. And, you know, eventually you're going to get him to go out there past waist deep. Yeah, and I would say any dog that doesn't want to go out past waist deep um, is not seeing the water as something that's fun and pleasurable. And I would, especially in the summer, get out there and swim with your dog. Just let the water be fun for your dog. And just get out there and swim and go clear out there deep and just make that water so much fun for the dog. It's not a second thought. There's got to be some kind of fear there being associated with something. The first time that your dog hits the water is very, very important um, yeah. because because do dogs can, if they have a real negative reaction their first time to something, it can take a long, long time, if ever, to get them over that. I know I mentioned in that episode with Barton that the Izzy's first example with ice is that she thought she was stepping into her knees and she went in the water clear up over her head. And I know that that seriously traumatized her and she's hated the ice ever since. And um, I'm not sure if all of it is because of that incident, but it, it very well could be. She hates ice. And I would say it's probably because that one incident where she thought she was just stepping in and she went clear overhead. But they can be traumatized in their first year by something. So I would just say, how did you introduce that dog to the water? Um, and maybe go backwards and just make sure that you're playing with that dog in the water um, as much as you can during the hot months. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's probably, I mean, you're, it sounds like your dog's a little bit older, but you know, I've seen where people start their dogs out in a kiddie pool when they're pups and that'd probably be the best way, you know, when they're pups, you can just let them splash around in the water in the kiddie pool. And then like Elliot's saying, you know, it's just a fun, awesome experience for the dog. A speckle yeah. trout fisherman's asking uh, previously, he said, his dog is fetching bumpers great. Uh, now should I do it near water or with the shotgun? And I'd say it really doesn't matter the order of those. You know, you, as long as your dog, you know, is getting out there, you know, you're saying you're having that issue, uh, then you can get them in the water just fine. Um, you know, with the shotgun, I'd make sure you, you start with other loud noises during, you know, positive situations um you know people will smash like or, or pound like uh one of their like food bowls you know you got the 10 food bowls around them while they're eating or like when they're playing with kids just enjoyable things you don't want their first experience to be necessarily with a loud gun and when you do it with a gun you want to start really far away and work your way in over a few days not one day yeah i think you've got to be a lot more careful with the introduction to the shot than you do to water because these dogs there's a reason they call them water dogs most of these dogs naturally love water um but a gunshot would certainly i'm real careful with both of those things but um yeah uh, I, and i think with the first introduction of water with me is not working related where i'm throwing retrieval dummies it's playing related i know my very first dog i was having problems getting in the water and it's in the summer we're going out to the lake and I left the air conditioning off and windows rolled up for the last five minutes of the trip. And so when we hit the water, both of us just went running down into the water because we were so hot. And I don't know that worked at the time, but I would make the first water experience a fun one first. I wouldn't go out and try to do work. I would go out and play and splash and then maybe do work at the tail end of that experience. But it's all yeah. based around fun, I think. And uh, my wife actually just made her first comment ever in the in the <laughs> in the yeah. chat bar. 
Uh, late comment, but I completely agree with Beth. I don't know what Beth said, but she agrees. <laughs> Beth was defending herself. <laughs> she <laughs> defending herself a little bit. <laughs> nice. I, was here, I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Beth's a good sport, though. She's let you know she Izzy's now. Izzy did get kicked out of our bedroom when we got married because I had Izzy for like three <laughs> years, I think, before Beth and I got married. And she had slept in my bed every single night until uh, Beth and I got married. And then it became well, okay, she was sleeping beside me on the floor. But then, oh, she licks and she makes noises and slaps her gums together. Next thing you know, is he's sleeping in my son's room every night. That's that's been a bit of a hard hard transition for me myself. Uh, Got to pick your wife over your dog. It's probably. <laughs> well, I think the only way that's ever going to happen is if one, your your wife is a huge dog person, or two, you have your dog before you you get married. Because if you have if you're married and you want to have your dog come in the room and you're wife's not a dog person it's not gonna happen <laughs> nope not gonna happen nope and chief chief's uh allowed in the house but he's not allowed in the bedroom <laughs> not allowed on furniture yeah is is he can get on nevin's bed but um i'll say what but that's it i think that's it and she knows she knows the furniture she can get on the furniture she can't she's really smart about that like when we went to the lake house this last week my sister had her dogs there and all her dogs were getting on the couches. So I'm like, okay, come on, Izzy. And she immediately knows, okay, I can get on this couch, but she knows she can get on Nevin's bed and that's about it. No other furniture. Nice. She does shed a lot. I will say that she sheds a <laughs> lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was a, uh, yeah. This is the first year I kept Chief in inside and I had an issue with him. He, he's an outside dog beforehand, but, uh, Chief has uh, a tendency to be like a big, big, big time explorer. Like he wants to go explore like super bad. And uh, like duck season ended and like we'd been going like every single day, you know, or, you know, multiple times a week. And we got like a week out of duck season. And he's like, man, like, why aren't we going duck hunting? Got bored. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's in the dead of winter, too. So it's hard to like necessarily have like a ton of time. So this was the first year. I finally let him in after we ran away. I'm like, I was like devastated. I thought I wasn't going to get my dog back. And uh, like I looked for him like during a blizzard for like hours, like trudging around through the countryside everywhere. And I couldn't find him because um, somebody had him in his house and in, in their house because they found, you know, a dog running around. So anyways, eventually I found him. And after that, I'm like, all right, Chief's an inside dog. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but that's the hardest thing that we've had to come across was the shedding. Cause I mean, I would, I would brush him like four or five times a week. And when his winter coat was coming out, which he had a huge thick coat, like we hunted in the coldest conditions last year, uh, you know, negative 18 windshield was the coldest it got. And you know, they, they build up a huge coat when that happens. So like when he lost all that fur, man, it was a struggle keeping that cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, we normally shave Izzy when she starts losing her winter coat. We take her and shave her. Oh, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to, yeah. If anyone has any tips for keeping your dog shed free, go ahead and write those in the comments because <laughs> I can use all yeah. the help I can get. So I might have to try to shave I'll tell you, the shedding thing, the, the uh, shaving thing does really, really work well. Huh. But what if you want to put them back outside? Like, are they cold? Well, we, we normally shave her um, right after, well, uh, like spring. February or? No, not even that, like uh, March, March, okay. or April. So yeah, I'm, I'll probably do that then next there, year. Now, 
I think I'm, we haven't done it yet. And Beth mentioned it and I'm like, I'm thinking maybe it's too late now because I mean, they have to, their coat has to um, come back in. But yeah, uh, yeah. one spline says, do you shave your, you can shave them. I Izzy mean, looks great with a shave. Chief doesn't have really any shedding now. All of the big fur is gone. Like it's just like this tiny, tiny little hair. He might have a little bit of leftover around the neck and stuff, but Chief, you're such a lazy dog. He's just laying here. <laughs> and once point, there is a brush that's better than others for labs. I've got one. There's you. You can get a very specialized brush that really gets the hair out a lot. In fact, I should spend an hour doing that here soon because she has been <laughs> shedding a little bit more than normal right now. All right. Well, I think that about covers it. Unless you got anything else to add, Elliot? No, I just please remember, guys, to um, come over to Facebook Fellowship of the Duck Gun and um, join up over there for some more conversation. Check out our YouTube channels, Duck Gun Chronicles and Freelance Duck Hunting, and make sure that you um, give us a review on um, iTunes or wherever you're watching the uh, listening to the podcast. Yeah, we'll be posting uh, duck content all year on our YouTube, and we're going to keep this podcast rolling too, um, coming out on Wednesdays. And Yeah, so big shout out to our wives for putting up with our duck dogs, and big shout out for our duck dogs for making our duck hunting life a little bit easier. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, guys, that's all we got for tonight. I'm Jordan, and for Elliot, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks again, guys, for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. And thanks for sticking it out all the way to the end. We really appreciate you and your guys' support on the podcast. Next week, we have Ben Potter with us joining joining us. So be sure to tune in again for that. And, yeah, if you guys could do us a big favor, this week I'm going to ask you for something a little different. If you could do us a favor and share this podcast with one of your friends, it could help us out a ton. And uh, we really appreciate it. So we'll see you guys next week. Let's go.